Lance called me and he says, I'd like you to preach a sermon on that Sunday that I'm going to be gone. And I said, Lance, I don't preach sermons. He says, well, then we'll call it a meditation. I said, well, if I'm going to do a meditation, I want to be out in the mountains someplace, you know, where it's nice and quiet and we all feel meditative. I said, I don't think I, don't think I want to do that either. So what do you want to do? And I said, I just want to open my heart. I want to share with people what's on my heart. And I want us to really take a look at what scripture says in Matthew 25 and be real about that. In other words, to learn, to risk, and to grow. That's what I'm hoping. And so let me share that scripture now and you will find that in your pew Bible in the New Testament on page 29 and that's Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Hear the word of the Lord. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. And all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate one from the other as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those at his right hand, come you that are blessed by my father. Inherit this kingdom that was prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink and I was a stranger and you welcomed me and I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when, it was, and when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And what was, when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and we visited you? And the king will answer, truly I tell you, just as you did at one of, to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on the left hand, you that are accursed, depart from me into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. And I was a stranger, you didn't welcome me. I was naked, you did not give me any clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? And then he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it not to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. So, as we look at this scripture at first glance, if you're a person that worries a lot about the future, and I know some of us do, this is a very scary passage. 
because it speaks of Judgment Day and it speaks of the future. It speaks of Christ's return. And it's a warning. You better be ready, it says. You better be ready. So I would be interested in this. If you could choose to be a sheep or a lamb, which would you rather be? Why? Why, Tom? You would. You don't want to be an old goat, is what you say. <laughs> okay. Good things. Anybody here want to be a, a goat? No? Okay, so this is the way I divide it. You goat people, you're over on my left. You right people are on my right. Now, if you goat people want to cross the aisle, that's okay. Nobody will judge you for that. But I'm telling you this, the scripture favors the goats. I mean the sheep. See, I knew I'd get that mixed up. The scripture favors the sheep. Bible, the Bible says Jesus is called the Lamb of God. Isaiah says he shall feed his flock like a shepherd and gather the lambs in his bosom. But if we look at the final verses of this passage, it's not so good for the goats. Because they didn't do what was commanded of them. He says, your future is eternal punishment. But here's the hope. In verse 34, if you look at it, it says, come, you blessed of the Father. Come, you blessed of the Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. I don't know how that strikes you, but to me that is a great promise. Come, inherit. It's a living present that it says, I will prepare you and we will be prepared for the future. So it's a prescription for being ready, for getting ready. When I was a little girl, you know, half the time I can't remember, you know, a lot of things just go in and out of my mind. But you know what I remember a lot? I remember the little songs I sang in Sunday school. They're all shaking your head, I can see that. There was one I just remembered the other day. It was like this. I want to be ready, I want to be ready, I want to be ready to walk in Jerusalem just like John. You remember that? I didn't know who John was. But I knew what Jerusalem was. I knew that had to do with heaven. And in that little song, it's really saying, get ready. So here is Jesus, and he says to this first group, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was stranger, I needed clothes, I was in prison. And notice that the Lord uses the word I, meaning himself. I was hungry, I was thirsty, I, I, I. It's coming from him. It's me. It's, it's who I am. This is a very interesting response that the next verses have of the other folks. The folks that he's speaking to. They say to him, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, stranger, needing cold, in prison, and so on? And he says to them, truly I tell you, just as you did it unto the least of these, you did it to me. So it seems to me that in here, 
is a really profound, profound invitation. He says, I, I hear Jesus say, if you, wanna, if you wanna know me, get closer. If you wanna know me, follow me where I go because I go where the poor people are. If you really want to show your love for me, come along with me and I'll show you the way. You, you, us, we are the blessed of the Father. That's what the scripture says. You are the blessed of the Father. You will be seeing me, Jesus, when you carry out your ministry. Because the poor are very special to me. That's what I hear Jesus say. So I thought, well, this is a pretty good message. Maybe we should take a look and see where this church stands. Maybe it's time to take, examine these scriptures and examine our church and examine our own life and say, how do we come up in all this? So with a brief look at the history of this church as I talked to some of the, quote, old timers, I learned some interesting things. I learned that back in the 60s, churches were closing in this area and the, many other churches were leaving the area. And so the decision came before the session or the rulers, sort of the ruling elders of this church. The majority vote was that we leave, that they leave this property. But in good Presbyterian tradition, there was a minority report brought forward. And the minority report was the one that was, had the most votes. And that is why we are sitting here today. Because at that moment, I believe that the Lord intervened in that meeting and said, you are to stay here. Here you will stand. Here will be your witness on this corner at 6th and Main for we don't know how many years, but for a long time. Because it seems to me that that decision was a kind of a risky decision. I'm not sure that they had any idea where we would be 50 years hence into the future. At that time, let me remind you that this church was known for its wealth. My, how things have changed. But here we are. But we are also to be known because of the promise that they took on that day. That we will be known into this community for preaching and teaching the word of God, but also following the word of God to reach out to our community and the poor. That, to me, was the mandate that we had when that vote was taken. So here we are, years later, confessing that yes, we've had our troubles and we've had our struggles and those that have been around for a while know that what some of those struggles are. But Lance said one Sunday, and I just heard it kind of all, he says, but we're together in those struggles. And I love that, but we're together in our struggles. And you know, I look around here this morning and I think there was a day when the people were, this church was filled all the way to the back and so was the balcony. And here we are today and we say, well, who wouldn't like more people in the pews? Come on, let's be honest. But I have to remind myself, Jesus only had 12. He only had 12 really faithful followers and they weren't all that faithful. I mean, half the time they didn't believe what he was saying. 
They didn't understand what he was saying. And some of the time, he, um, uh, they betrayed him. They even fell asleep and left him alone. But did he give up? No, he didn't, because he knew his purpose. Are we going to give up? No, because we know our purpose. We know where God has called us. And we take the claim that those folks took 50 years and say, here we stand. We will stand. So I ask myself the question, in what ways is this church carrying out our mandate to the poor, the stranger, the homeless, the prisoner, and the hungry, the very ones that Matthew 25 speaks of? One of the first ministries that came to mind is I, I looked at our budget, I looked at our mission budget, and I go down the line on the mission budget. Okay, so I did in the first one. I came to was Mercy House. Mercy House is an organization that works throughout the county. They came to us three years ago and said, can we lodge at your place for at least a month or a month and a half? And we said yes, and they've been coming back now for three years. And it seems to me it's man through 25 right on our steps. We welcome the stranger. We give them shelter. They bring the food and we serve it. We collect clothing. We do all, all kinds of things. We even do some recreation entertainment for the children. But there's one scene I'll never forget. It was a really hot and sultry night. And they came in and the folks were tired. It was one of the nights when there was hardly any space on the floor. There were so many people. They come in, it's hot. It's, they're sweating, it's, it's been a bad day, and some of them just flop down on, the, on that mat and they just go to sleep right away. But then there are others wandering around. One woman came to us and she said, would it be all right if we gave the baby a bath? We said, well, sure. Mind you, this is a three-month-old baby who's homeless. We said, sure, sure. Where do you want to do it? Oh, well, we usually bathe them. If we have a place like this, we just bathe them in the kitchen sink. I said, oh, that sounds like a good idea. There's fresh water. And so we gathered around this baby in the kitchen sink at McFarland Hall, hoping and praying that the health department didn't show up. Or <laughs> we'd have been in trouble. Not really, we probably would have talked him out of it. But it was those kinds of experiences that we have had in the past three years with the people from Mercy House, and we say, who got the greater blessing from that ministry? Was it the folks we took in, or was it us? I would, I would think it was us. Another very important ministry that we have here in, in our church, and it's uh, sponsored by a lot of people, but we have a lot of volunteers in it, and that's the Lassamia Tutoring Program. We have about 40 kids that come, September through June, to be tutored. They experience learning in a very, very wonderful environment and loving space. We want them to get inspired by learning to read and write and do their math in a better way so that they can go on and be a success somewhere. Sometimes I go out to different groups and I try to get volunteers to come into Santa Ana and tutor. Do you know that's really hard? It's hard to get volunteers. You know what they say? Ooh, that's a dangerous place. We don't want to go in there. 
I mean, well, that's interesting. I don't say this. I try to hold my tongue. But I'm thinking, I've been going to Santa Ana since 1971. I've never been robbed, I've never been mugged, and I've never had my car stolen. But a few months ago, I drove way out on 17th Street, almost to Trinity Church, stopped for a yogurt, and I got mugged and robbed. So tell me, where is it safe? Where is it safe? If you find that safe place, if you think stay at home, that's not safe, not for somebody my age, because I could fall and break a leg. So do we risk or do we go? I guess it depends on how strong is the call to the poor. So talking about children and outreach, did you know that since 2010, with the help of five other Presbyterian churches, we have collected thousands and thousands of slightly used books for the Wilson School Book Fair. Since 2010, we've been collecting books. And we give those ch children books, anywhere from three to five books each year. They take them home, they get to keep them. Now they've created little libraries for themselves. And the teachers say, well, if you come over here during recess time, sometimes the kids just want to sit under the tree and read a book. To me, that's a good sign. Although, of course, they need the exercise. So that has gone on. If you were to go over there two weeks ago, you would have seen some little kids, fifth graders, getting off the bus. And those little fifth graders had just been to Long Beach Aquarium. They were fifth graders, and this was kind of their prize for ending their school time at Wilson School. You know who paid for that trip? You folks paid for that trip by putting your money in the offering on Sundays. You paid for that trip. You were the Jesus that went to the aquarium. To me, that's very exciting. If you come on here on a Thursday night, you'll see what is sometimes a large number of our neighbors attending Narcotics Anonymous and AA meetings during the week. Jesus said, welcome the strangers and reach out to the sick. Who can deny that addiction is an illness? It is. And we try to open our doors to them. And then there, there are the Zumba exercise classes. And we had that big sign out in front. And then we were criticized. Offering Zumba, come on, come on. What's that all about? I said, well, I want to say, you need to come and talk to the women who do those Zumba classes because you know what? They don't have depression anymore. Their blood pressure has gone down. Their heart disease is better. Their diabetes is better. Besides the fact that they come and they get to talk to their friends and if they need, they get some prayer. So if we don't understand that, that's okay. But I believe Jesus understands that and will stand up for those women to exercise any day of the week or night, day or night. We have another ministry going that our friend back here, Scott Overpeck, and I asked him to just stand up and say a bit about laundry love, because there's, a, there's a, a component to laundry love that Scott brings, I think, that is very, very important, and he was the founder of laundry love in our neighborhood. Go ahead, Scott. Uh, so just a uh, block and a half in theory, a uh, laundry mat, about 3,000 square feet, 
Thank you. One thing that he pointed out when we were chatting earlier before the, our service today was the whole idea that the technology is the tool, but the goal is the relationships. It's an important concept, I think. So let's go on. Jesus said, I was in prison. You visited me. It's interesting to me he didn't choose to say, you get to choose who you're going to visit. You can choose the guilty. You can choose the unguilty. You can choose the innocent. No, no, you don't get that choice. He just said, you go visit me. I was in prison. Go get engaged. Take it from there. See, I think it's hard for us to realize that love in action is harsh and difficult. Yeah, Scott's dying, isn't it? Love in action is harsh and difficult compared to love in dreams. Oh, I could sit at home and dream of all kinds of ministries, all the things I could do and all the things I should do and shouldn't do and so on. But it's a whole lot harder to give feet to those dreams. If we, if we expand the world, though, and the word prison to mean things like illness, poverty, homelessness, addiction, Jesus says, just says, go to them, get to know them, and be engaged with those folks because that's where you'll meet me. So, having said all of this, it sounds so perfect, doesn't it? So ideal. Oh yeah, rah, rah. <sighs> Get out there and try to do some of these things. And be human. I have to confess, oh, was I human this last year in January, okay, get the picture. I'm going up to, to uh, St. Joseph's Conference Center where Mercy House is housing the poor. 
for, for a week or so. So I go up there. I want to meet the Mercy Hall staff. Uh, but I'm really on my way to the church for a quote, a meeting. And so I get to the corner of Maine and Levita. You all know where that is? Maine, Levita? Huge, big intersection. And there standing on the corner is a woman laden down with her things, with two little children at her side. I turn left, go down the street, blind, totally blind. Go down the street, get to church. What did I just do? What did I just do? I could have stopped, picked up those people, taken them to the conference center, because they were heading for, uh, to spend the night over at Mercy Shelter. But I was now at the church. It was too late. My opportunity had passed. I don't even want to tell you how guilty I felt. I was so guilty. I came in, went to the meeting. Sometimes meetings are more important to people, remember? Or at least we think they are. And so I just confessed to the group. I said, you wouldn't believe what I just did. They didn't say a word, they just listened. But you know, in their listening, they offered me grace. And God offered me grace. So are we gonna blow it at times? You bet. Do we have blinders sometimes and we don't see what we should see? Scripture says you have eyes that do not see and ears that do not hear. And I believe that's really true. But let me tell you another story. This is a story I just heard recently. This woman was also rushing off to her church to go to a meeting, of course. And just as she was about to go into the church, a very disheveled, obviously homeless man was standing at the door of the church where she was to go in and he's and he had no pants on. He had shorts on, but he had no pants. And he's standing here and he says, lady, I just need pants. Could you just give me some pants? And he says, well, she says, I don't have any, I don't know where to get pants. This really isn't even my church. It's all locked up. Her, can you imagine how her mind is racing? I can't do this, I don't know how I can do this. The closet, if there is a closed closet, it's probably locked. No, she jumped in her car. She rushed off to Target. She came back with a new pair of pants. Then she went to her meeting. So the question is, where was Jesus in these two stories? Where was Jesus? And which one of these women was a good Samaritan? Something to think about. Well, yeah, I failed to mention the pants lady was my daughter. Raise up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. You as a parent may fail, but those kids will catch you up. And they will carry home and carry on the legacy that you have left. So, that's my confession.
And I dare to tell that because I think some of you may have had similar experiences. So is it safe or is it risk? As we examine these scriptures, we examine ourselves, we examine our church. Are we playing it safe or are we risking? To play it safe and keep one's slate clean is really not enough. The Lord calls us to something greater and more in line with his care for the poor. He calls us to be disciples in the kingdom of heaven, which not a, is not a matter of safety, but one of risk. Dale Bruner, Dr. Dale Bruner, a well-known biblical scholar and theologian, says this, a truly Christ-centeredness that would include Christ's teaching should lead the church to seek a truly poor-centeredness. Christ teaches that he is in the poor in a special way. And Bruno goes on to say, the church should be the party of the poor. The party of the poor. This is not an easy thing to do. Pope Francis says, out of an act of solidarity with the poor, we need to give attention to the abuse of power and injustice. We need to have a new awareness of Micah 6.8. What does the Lord require you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? So in closing, let me share something that happened this past January. It was the night before the inauguration of the president. And on my computer, came a challenge to take a pledge. It was called the Matthew 25 pledge. And I thought, well, if the president can go, president can go tomorrow and take a pledge to protect and defend, then so can I. And here was a pledge. In the quietness of my study, I took this Matthew 25 pledge. I pledge to protect and defend vulnerable people in the name of Jesus. And now I ask for God's strength to live by this pledge. And I would pray that as you see Jesus in the many people around you throughout your day, throughout your week, that you too might prayerfully consider the Matthew 25 pledge. I pledge to protect and defend vulnerable people in the name of Jesus.